0: to how to support and use your hormonal cycle to live a more vibrant life in the flow, even post-menopause. Welcome to today's Menno Mini. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Denise Wellick Peterson here, I'm Menno Minis and creator of the Use Your Cycle Method. So We are still working on our countdown to weight loss after 40. We're at number two. Today we are going to talk about two very common obstacles to weight loss over 40. And I say over 40 because mm, when we were 20, when we were 30, a lot of us were more willing to just do the things, to go extreme, to go all in. And as we've gotten older... Sometimes we get that, I don't know if it's an attitude, we start to decide that we are done restricting so hard. We start to decide that we are done doing the things we don't like. We are going to eat what we want to eat, drink what we want to drink, do what we want to do. And first of all, I think that's great, right? In most of areas of life, I think it's great that we have finally decided that we don't need to live in this area of black or white, left or right, extreme, or like all in or all out, right? We're, We're trying to find that moderate point, that point where we can just live life, but still enjoy it, right? Now, in the weight loss arena, though, I don't wanna say we have to do things we don't like, but we do have to try new things, right? And so today I wanna talk about two things that I received over the years, over and over and over and over and over and over again, on people just being like, I'm all in, I'm all in. Whoa, Denise, no, I'm not willing to do that. No, that's a hard no, come up with something else, okay? And like I said, I get it, right? We've, We've reached an age where we're like, I am so over with cabbage soup and, you know, all the crazy things we did, right? So the first obstacle, block, area of resistance is when I say, you know, one of the biggest predictors in weight loss is how much you can reduce your stress. And first of all, that's kind of woo-woo, hey, Denise, I came to you as personal trainer for... Exercise, I came to you for nutrition. Why are we talking about stress? Okay, so here's the deal. When you are stressed out, and I talk about this over and over and over and over again, whether it's a fight with your honey or your teenage kids or road rage or you got fired from your boss or the price of gas, for God's sakes, right? When you're stressed out, your cortisol goes up. It's like the tiger is chasing you. Right, but again, we're not running from that tiger to stay alive. We are like stewing in our juices. We're like clenching our jaws, gnashing our our teeth. Um, but we're not we're not running off the cortisol. Now, remember, cortisol's job is to stop all non-essential functions to get you away from the tiger faster. No libido, no digestion. Store everything store everything as fat right now, and run, right? So if you are constantly living in this state of super high, high stress, you're always in this state of you've got this fat storage soup going on, right? And that doesn't bode well for a weight loss. Just a thought right? If we've got all of this cortisol always running around because we're running a tight schedule, we've got a super high pressure job, we ha- are avoiding things in our relationships, right? We can't figure things out necessarily. Then we're going to stay in this fat storage soup and that makes losing weight really really hard after 40 because after 40 it becomes way more about the hormones then about the calorie count, then about the math equation. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still some math to be done, but if you're going to sit over here and have this soup of cortisol and then give yourself physical stress of not eating enough calories, you're just going to store fat. You're just going to store fat. Okay. So it's really important to start working on our thinking around stress and how important it is in weight loss and weight maintenance as we get older. It's really, really important and it needs to be addressed. So when I'm working with my clients, it's not just about, did you eat the protein? Did you eat the vegetables? It's what are you doing to reduce your stress? you know, And that can be things like, maybe you change your job. Maybe you have a boundary discussion with Your honey, maybe you can convince your kids, like no talking till 9 a.m. Seriously, the summer my girls were 15. We were having to drive to summer school every morning and they were having to get up and go to the gym with me at five in the morning so I could train a few clients before we drove to summer school. And the first few days were like, like I was used to like, I would get up, I had my 30 minutes to shower, dress, eat, Pack, go. So I was already adding 15 minutes just to kind of, you know, bathroom sharing and getting these kids up. Totally responsible kids, love them to death. But, you know, at 15, I have twins. They were clashing heads. They would get up and they would start screaming, like hollering at each other, screaming, snapping, you know, like all the damn things. And finally on day four, I'm like, okay, I, I didn't talk to them about it in the morning. I, Because in the morning, I went, shut the hell up. I'm done. Not another damn word is spoken before 7 a.m. Not to me, not to each other. No more words. And then that night when we got home, I said, okay, we need to talk about getting ready because we have another month of this summer school thing. I understand you're tired. Also, you need to understand I'm used to getting up in the quiet and like doing my things and going. I don't have time for the arguments. I don't have time to play referee in the morning I'm doing this for you, and you're doing this for me. We will not talk before 7 a.m., right? And that was the boundary-setting discussion we needed to have so that for that month, we weren't immediately, all of us, in that stress soup called cortisol from minute one. Right? So, you want to start having those discussions with your family, with your coworkers. You know, maybe with your coworkers, it's like, hey, from noon to one, I am on lunch. Leave me alone. I won't be answering phone calls. I won't be answering emails. I won't be answering my door. I'm going out for a walk, whatever it is. But I encourage you to start looking at what are some of the things we can do to one, prevent some of the stressors. So, like the discussion I had with my daughters. What are some of the things is there a discussion that needs to be had with your spouse, right? Um, right now, my husband and I are going through a little bit of a schedule change. And it means I need to adjust what time supper it is because I'm getting, we were just eating way too close to when we were going to bed. And I'm like, this is causing me so much heartburn, which in cause turn is causing me not to sleep. Like, this is not good. This is just a really not good situation. And after a couple of weeks of kind of, taking the time to realize what was going on in my physical, we had to have this discussion of what can I do? My husband does the cooking, right? What can I do so that when you get home from work, you can cook dinner earlier, right? So now there's things like, okay, if you can get the dishes done, Denise, if you can make sure the meat is out and thawed, um, if you can kind of do the setup, he doesn't like me to prep and he certainly does not like me to cook he can come home and more quickly get into the process of making supper for us, right? So it's all about these ongoing discussions and not letting it sit and stew. Because, right, as I'm laying there in bed and he's snoring away, and I got this heartburn gurgling up and I'm constantly having to sit up. One, I'm not sleeping, and two, I'm in a lot of pain. And then three, I'm watching him snore and I'm getting pissed, right? So having these boundary discussions. Now, on top of the pseudo-passive reducing stress, we can have a more active stress reduction practice as well. And those are some of the things that I go over with my clients. But it could be meditation. It could be alternate nostril breathing. I always do that when I speak about that. Look it up. Um, It could be going for a walk in nature. It could be just sitting in the sun. It could be sunbathing. It could be petting a dog. It could be watching I Love Lucy kind of funny shows right? But finding things that we can actively do to reduce our stress. And for a lot of people, that's such a foreign concept that when I start talking about it, they're like, time out, let's get to the exercise. And in all honesty, stress reduction is almost more important than getting to the exercise. So something you need to really start thinking about and wrapping your head around as important as at least as important as eating your protein and your vegetables and getting your movement in is reducing stress. Okay, so start thinking about that. Hand in hand with reducing stress is improving sleep. So also as we get older, we've got habits going on, right? Um, now, I was fortunate enough to, like I say, to have twins And I had my twins young, so I was just getting into the perimenopause phase as my daughters graduated and moved out, right? But I understand some people have kids later in life or have four or five kids and are finding themselves staying up for their kids to get home from high school stuff into their fifties. And it's really important then that we work on our bedtime routines, our sleep routines, improving the quality of the sleep if we can't improve improve or increase the quantity of our sleep, right? Um, We're kind of, you know, those charts that they show, okay, here's what a one month old should be sleeping, a one year old, a two year old, a five year old, a 12 year old, an 18 year old, we're getting back into that stage of life where we need more sleep. It's important, okay? And if your schedule is such that you can't, you, you just literally cannot get to bed earlier or stay asleep later, then I highly encourage you to find ways to improve the quality of your sleep. Now, this leads into the second super-duper, I don't want to hear about it, Denise. I'm not gonna do that. I've already told you I'm done limiting thing. So number two. Nobody likes to hear it when I say we need to limit our wine and we need to limit our coffee. Like, so frequently I hear, no Denise, Denise, I will eat the protein, I will eat the, the cauliflower, I will run if that's what you want me to do, but I'm gonna have my damn glass of wine. I'm gonna have my glass, I, I have a glass of wine every night for bed, it helps me wind down. And I gotta have my coffee to wake up Denise. Coffee is non-negotiable, I gotta have coffee. Okay. And then I need to go into this lesson of, first of all, do you need coffee or are you dependent on coffee? Most people, I think it's somewhere in the 65 to 70% of people, do not have the gene that deals with coffee or caffeine. So I don't care if it's coffee. You can tell me monsters. You can tell me green tea. I don't care what you tell me most people do not have the MTHFR gene that deals with caffeine very well. And if you have more than one cup of coffee today, a day or even any coffee, it's going to affect your sleep for far longer than we believe, right? And I feel like a lot of women come to me and say, coffee doesn't affect me that way. I can have coffee all day and go to sleep. And I call bullshit. I call baloney. You're crazy. It is affecting you. You just don't realize it. You've built up a tolerance. And you just don't realize that it's still affecting you, right? Um, For a long time, I drank a couple cups of coffee a day, a a coffee at lunchtime, right? And I was like, didn't, wasn't really equating it with, I can't sleep very well at night. And one day my husband was like, did you just go to the coffee shop at 5 p.m.? Yeah, I had a quad espresso. That's four shots of espresso. And you wonder why you can't sleep. And all of a sudden it was like a lightning bolt. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck am I thinking here? Was it hard to give up that evening coffee? Yeah, because I worked in the evenings. It was hard. But I did it. And then um, it was just like... When the coffee barista knows your name and your order and, ha- and what time you're going to come in and has it sitting on the counter or is making it as she's seeing you drive in, maybe it's a problem, right? Maybe it's a problem. So here, three, four years ago, I was doing a, a hormone reset detox and the first thing, give up coffee. It wasn't the first thing. I think it was the fourth thing. Give up coffee. And I was like, oh my God, okay. I'd been, like, working through it, cutting back, cutting back. And, okay, give up coffee. On the the end of the second day with no coffee, I was literally like, I'm going to die. I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And I I happened to be at a ribbon-cutting event, and I had literally a swig of coffee. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I feel better. Note to self, coffee was affecting me. And so, and then I proceeded to give up coffee for the next two and a half weeks. And what I discovered was that after four or five days, all of a sudden I was dreaming. I I was sleeping hard, hard. Like I wasn't getting up two or three times in the night. I wasn't, um, tossing and turning. I fell asleep and I stayed asleep. And I woke up rested and I was like, oh, snap. Okay, coffee does affect me. Um, Now, all that being said, I've gone back and forth on coffee. Um, If you're going to have it, by all means, have it, but have it black. Don't add all the extra stuff to it. Have it as early in the morning, as close to waking up as you can and then quit. Because it is still lingering in your system 14, 15 hours later. Right? When you're trying to think about going to bed. So. Cut back on the coffee. I I would encourage you to do an experiment. Cold turkey is tough. But for some people cold turkey is the way to go. But coffee is blowing up your sleep. I promise you it is. On to the wine. But Denise the wine helps me wind down. And fall asleep. Does it help you wind down. And fall asleep. Or does it help you pass out. Okay, legit questions, right? Like, are you drinking a bottle of wine? Are you drinking a glass of wine? Are they different? Eh, Kind of. Um, Are you sure that the small glass of wine you are having, like you're not doing a Texas pour, (laughs) you know, the legit glass of wine, three, four ounces, are you sure it's not screwing with your sleep? And again, I struggled with it for a while. I was probably drinking two or three glasses of wine a night and I would toss and turn it just be at that real light sleep. You know, that kind of sleep where you can adjust your dreams, that kind of sleep where every little thing wakes you up, that kind of sleep where you're like, is it time to get up? Is it time to get up? Is it time to get up? Right. I've been there. And over the course of, you know, that Hormone reset detox I did over some different, just different things I've done, right? For a while there, wine was causing me such heartburn. So I was backing away from it. And then I was discovering, hmm, I'm sleeping better. Isn't that interesting? Also, things you want to consider is both wine and coffee. Increase your cortisol. Goes back to the whole road rage thing. Same thing. Fat storage soup storage soup is happening there. So I would highly encourage you to give up the mindset of it's not affecting me. And just be open to the possibility that it is blocking your goals. Okay? Now, I don't tell my clients, you have to give it up. You have to go cold turkey. You have to give it up. It's your body. It's your choice. I don't care. But... I'm kind of smart about these things and I kind of know what I'm talking about. And while I don't pretend to know exactly what's going on in your body and you're the one that has to do the experiment, I can tell you from my experience, this is what happened. From other clients' experience, this is what happened. Very rarely do I come across a client who gives it up and has no change in their sleep or in their weight. Okay, so I would encourage you to be open to the ideas that your body is more than a math equation, that there are other things to be considered. And I'm not asking you to give up your coffee and your alcohol for the rest of your life. You might find when you give them up for a while, the quality of sleep that you have is so improved, you're not really so inclined to just habitually grab that glass of wine, right? Now, I go in phases and I have, I went dry here for about a month and it wasn't, I'm going dry for a month. It was just, man, this wine has given me such heartburn. I just, "Mm." right? Like I cut back way back on my drinking and I had some wine here the other night and I was like, oh, yay. It did not cause me massive heartburn. Yay. Um, It screwed with my sleep that night and it was like, okay, still screws with my sleep though right? I'm not saying you can't ever have wine again, but I'm saying at least if you experiment with this, you go into the decision with knowledge, right? Because if you have been drinking a glass of wine with supper or after supper every night for the last 10 years, now you're like, wine doesn't affect me. Like you just have that back of your mind that wine doesn't affect you. First of all, over the last 10 years, your hormones have changed, I don't care what IGR, your hormones have changed. So that changes your body chemistry and that actually does affect if wine is affecting you. So what if you say, okay, I don't think it affects me, but I'm going to take it out of my system for a few weeks and then add it back in and try. Like now it's a decision. And then if you take it out for a few weeks and go, oh, wow, it does affect my sleep. Now it's a decision. Am I up for a couple of shitty nights of sleep? Do I have time for that in my schedule? Am I prepared for the the two steps back that's going to take me for a week in my weight loss goals? Because now I know it does affect me. Those are just things that I need you to be open your mind to and consider. Because I know we're at the age where it's like, screw it, I'm done restricting. I'm going to do what I want, drink what I want, eat what I want, when I want. And you can do those things, but all of those things do have it's a cause and effect. It's a cause and effect. But if you experiment with them and decide and figure out that, oh, wine does affect me. Oh, I feel so much more peppy without coffee. You just have to remember things like it takes four days for mouth to out for food. And it takes a little bit longer than that with things like alcohol and coffee, because they're messing with a lot of different systems. And not only do we have to get all of the caffeine out of the system or all of the alcohol, we need to then see how we feel without it in our system. So, yeah, at least a week, and I'd encourage two or three. But that's things I talk about in my User Cycle program more in depth. I talk about it in my book. Um, And, all right, yep, here's your call to action. On June 2nd at 9 in the morning, Central Time, uh, I'm going to do a webinar on all of these five things that we've been talking about on our countdown to weight loss. I'm going to do it in the Menopause Project on Facebook. Um, and there will be some PDFs, things to go with that. I'd love to know if you're interested. Drop a comment. Shoot me an email. Let me know. But keep your eyes and ears posted. You might want to join the Menopause Project on Facebook if you're so inclined. So you make sure you get the notifications on that. And I think that's all I have for today. Next time we are talking about the, 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 one, 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 the one thing. That makes all the difference. Because all of these things we've been talking about through the whole countdown series make a difference. But without this one thing, I don't care if you do the others or not. So until next time, you have a fantastic day later hope you enjoyed today's podcast thanks for listening it would mean a ton to me if you left a review or passed this podcast on to your best gal pals and hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode if you have any questions be sure you join the menopause project on facebook until next time